Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller, the founder of the Miller Law Group and a trainer at the Center for Understanding and Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is advocate and holistic financial planner, Adrian Grace, who guides women and couples to successfully negotiate divorce settlements, survive financial transitions and rebuild afterward. Adrian has worked in every area of the financial world for over 30 years, and her passion is to help you overcome your financial challenges and move empowered into the next chapter of your life. She provides clear guidance and support at this critical time, working one-on-one or through her online course, Divorce Academy, and her two books. Both divorced and widowed herself, that's a lot of experience, Adrian has walked this difficult path to financial security and joy. Adrian Grace, thank you so much and welcome to the show. It is certainly my pleasure, Catherine. Thank you. So what, before we get into kind of the talking points that the holistic financial planning and what that means, what led you in all the experience that you have onto this path of finding this way of working with people through transitions? Well, I think having gone through so many transitions myself, even though I have been a financial person for a long time, I was the broker in the branch. I've been a certified financial planner since 1993, and I'm a certified divorce financial analyst. So, I mean, I live in the world of money, and I have. However, when I was going through my own divorce, <laughs> I had no reference points. I made decisions that that I cringe about now. I mean, we've survived okay, but the decisions I made were in that vacuum that you and I were just talking about, where I really wasn't focused on the whole picture. And I think that is the nexus of what we do, is we see people when they're at transition points in their lives. I've been at two of them. I've been divorced, and then I've also been widowed. And I understand the major changes that occur in all facets of your life and how hard it can be to cope with all that, especially since in this country, and I don't know if we do it any better in the world, we really don't educate people very well about how money works. Most of my clients are intelligent, wonderful women, well-educated who you'd love to meet anywhere and be friends with, but they may not have played the major financial role in their in their marriages. And they may not have knowledge of complex financial products or assets that now they have to make major decisions about. So what I try to do is take a full range view, kind of prepare them before they see you sometimes or working in concert with someone like you to have a better picture of what their financial life looks like and how everything else fits in together. So is that what holistic financial planning is? That really is what holistic financial planning is in a kind of in a nutshell. It's looking at your money as it relates to your life. You know, we forget that money is just a tool. You know, we let the concept of money influence our relationship with success 
And oh boy, do we have a lot of emotional weight attached to money issues. It was surprising when I realized it. But, you know, when people divorce, what you think is number one as a cause for divorce is not. It's money, money disagreements and money issues. And so helping people get a handle on their financial picture as a part of their entire life weighting the emotions around it. What do you want your money to do? What goals do you have? How do you define security? Such an important question going through divorce. Will I be okay? And figuring out how to answer that with yes. That's kind of holistic financial planning. But Adrian, you said so much there. So I just want to unpack (laughs) a little bit of it. You know, I think, and, and regular listeners to this show will certainly recognize this thought of mine, but I think that money is so much more than a way to pay the bills, right? It's the way we measure success. It's a way we compare ourselves to our neighbors, our families of origin and each other. And in a marriage, you know, that it comes with power, right? It comes with affirmation. It, it comes with disempowerment. And, and there are so many political ideas, social ideas, and relational ideas that are related to money or measured by money, that it really becomes much bigger than, you know, just money, just the tool of of the the way to live the lifestyle that we want to lead. Does that make sense to you? Totally. And as you can tell, I'm rather passionate about this topic, as I think you are. We allow money to control so much of how we feel about ourselves and our relationships. And with money, such a tool of power, unfortunately, we don't often have the skills to talk about money in our relationships, to establish a division of labor, to establish how we're going to pay things, what are our goals together and how will we reach them? And often that inability to communicate about money leads to lots of major other issues and is often a cause for divorce. And what money and, means to each person in the in the relationship, in the marriage, isn't is probably not the same. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And the assumptions that we just place around it are not the same. And it's, and while it feels like it's super hard to talk about, and like many things that are hard to talk about, the longer you do not talk about it, the harder it is to talk about it. You know, and I was just doing a presentation last night to a group of mediators about negotiating prenups. And, and I think it's such an incredibly great opportunity in the prenup discussion to talk about, you know, not necessarily about money at the end of the marriage, although of course you have to talk about that, but how are you going to deal with money during the marriage to minimize the possibility of it ending in divorce? What do you think? I entirely agree. And I've actually written a couple of pieces on how to talk to your honey about money. Yeah, (laughs) that's wonderful. (laughs) So that you can establish that discussion. You know, it, you know, I'm of a generation where Be that as it may, I have found that many people are much more willing to jump into a physical relationship and move in together than they are to talk about money. Important questions to ask before you say yes. What do you have in student loans? How much money do you make? Are you a saver? You know, just like people who sleep with the window open marry people who sleep with the window closed, savers marry spenders. Yeah. So there we have the initial conflict that can often lead them to to seeing us professionally. Absolutely. I have occasionally had the privilege of working with people before they get married when we do talk about how are we going to manage the finances of our relationship. 
Um, And it's just such a crucial thing. You can build together or you can let it help you drift apart. So what are some of the points from your how to talk to your honey about money writings? Can you just give us one or two hints? Absolutely. One is set a time when the two of you are going to do this, a private time. If you have kids, when the kids are in bed, or maybe have it in a comfortable place, sit down with a glass of wine if that's what what helps you relax. And think about what your family's attitudes about money were. Because as you mentioned earlier, certainly this a lot of this comes from our family of origin. I mean, I grew up in a pretty open home, but I would never have dreamed of asking my father how much he made. It was like, it would be like asking him to walk around in his underwear. It was not done. But setting up a time when the two of you can sit down and have a quiet conversation about how you were brought up with money, whether you had a lot, how much was too much? How much was not enough? Were, you know, what were your attitudes about people who had money or didn't have them? And then set aside some time at another at another meeting, if you will, another date, if you will, to talk about what are your goals. You know, it could be something as as simple as as wanting to buy a new car. And how do we get there? Do we save for it? Do we borrow? Or it can be deeper into the future. What do we want to do in retirement? What kind of schools do our kids do we want our kids to go to? And how are we going to plan for that? I think the secret sauce the secret is simply setting aside some time to talk. Yeah. So I have three or four different points in my particular blog about how to talk to your honey about money, and I've done presentations on it. But it really is as simple and either as easy or as hard as you want to make it to sit down, set aside some time, and really think about what's important to you. I think that's great advice. I'm Catherine Miller, and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues, a podcast dedicated to educating people about divorce-related topics so everyone can divorce with dignity. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts to be sure you do not miss an episode. And I'm talking today with Adrian Grace about holistic financial planning. And we've been talking about talking to your honey about money, but let's turn to divorce, Adrian Grace, and, and, and talk about what are some of the common financial problems around money are the issues that people face when they're facing divorce. Well, as you said, when we were, when we first started, money is equals power in relationships. And very often, even still today, women are not the power brokers of the marriage. It's not necessarily a bad thing for one person to take charge of the, of the major money matters, the investment decisions, you know, where does the retirement fund go? If I make more money than you, then the money goes in my 401k instead of in yours, if you have one. But I think not remaining fully informed and up to date on what the finances of the marriage are is one of the major issues that we run into. Women often pay the bills day to day, but don't always make the major decisions about the larger amounts of money. And when divorce comes and everything has to be divided very frequently, They are the ones who are not fully informed and therefore can't negotiate on a level playing field. Part of what I do is help clarify the money issues so that they can negotiate from a position of information and knowledge and therefore make better decisions. 
So, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, one thing that sometimes happens is that people talk about percentages or they talk about, you know, a lot versus a little, rich versus poor, you know, without really connecting that to what the expenses are or, you know, so, okay, you know, we're talking about a dollar, 50-50 versus, you know, 60-40. It's a 10 cent difference, right? It it was a big deal. But when you're talking about $100,000 or a million dollars, it's a lot more money. And, And so is that part of the holistic financial planning that you do to help people just look at the reality versus kind of their own sense of what is fair or right? Very much so. And we talk about 60, 40, 50, 50, whatever, a dollar is a dollar. A dollar is not a dollar. So very often, so what I help people do is understand the different values of their assets, as well as trying to plan for what happens now versus what things are going to look like down the road. I'm a planner. We talk about what's going to happen in the next 10 years, 20 years, so that you can take a longer view. Now, how does that this come down to somebody's individual circumstance? Well, often what I'll hear is, well, you take the house and I'll take the retirement plan. Okay, so if the retirement plan is worth 400000 and the house is worth 400000 even Stephen, right? Wrong. Right. <laughs> Wrong. Wrong. The house is an expense. It's wonderful to be there, but it's like sitting on a full piggy bank. You can't get to the money and it costs money to maintain where the retirement account will grow in value generally over time and you can use it to do other things. So it's a matter of helping people understand the relative value of the assets that they have to divide and how that will impact them down the road. So are there some exercises that you, Adrian Grace, have people go through to help them kind of get real about that and bring their heads out of the clouds, maybe, or out of the, and maybe gutter is not the right word, but out of the basement, you know, into a place of of realism, of of, of realistically taking a look at their lives and what it costs and, and what the future holds? Very much so. So I have a lot of charts and graphs that I work with my clients on helping them build a budget, get a very realistic view of what it will cost them, what it costs them now, because often we don't really have a clear idea of how much it costs to live, and asking the question, where will you go next? If you keep the house, what will that look like? Does it need repairs? What will you need to feel comfortable in it? If you're going to go somewhere else, where? What kind of home? How much will it be? So really trying to put numbers, dollars and cents into goals. But the first thing we have to do is kind of look at the goal. And it's been my experience working with people in divorce. We have to take those goals in very small chunks because it's a time of great upheaval and major overwhelm. So we're not trying to recast somebody's life in macro. We're trying to do it in micro so they understand what am I dealing with now? What do I have to deal with next? And how do we get from here to there? Yeah. I think, yeah, a lot of, a lot of budget work, a lot of filling numbers in, filling out that big statement of net worth form that can be so daunting at the beginning. Well, even some of the language around money, even you just use the word budget. You know, I think a lot of people uh, like budget is the word budget is like the word diet. It sounds like restriction. 
right? Yes. Even though that's not what it really means. And so when you're on a budget or on a diet is different than what a budget or a diet is, right? We all have a diet because we're eating food and, and we all have a budget because we're spending money. It's whether or not we know what it is. <laughs> and I tend to call it a spending and savings plan. I think that's because much that doesn't upsetting. make your stomach hurt. Yeah. Right, exactly. And just the word money can be really upsetting to, you know, I find that sometimes people come in with their a list of their expenses and apologize to me for how much money they spend on clothes or at Starbucks or on vacations or on beauty. And I don't have a judgment about whether or not it's too much or too little. I just, you know, I'm just trying to get the information, but they go through a whole self-judgment process that I'm sure you run into all the time. Well, and it's that it's all the way back to our feelings about money and self-worth and value, but we deal with people where they are. Okay. Non-judgmental, full of compassion. So wherever you happen to be, that's where we start. And then we help you move forward from there. One other major thing that I that I help my clients with is helping them to understand that there's a that basic power difference that may be in the marriage. And so when one party says, this is what you're going to get, period, that may be how they're feeling at that moment. But that's not necessarily the truth that many of my clients have come to understand that they can negotiate. They can say no. And, you know, I often deal with women, I not exclusively, but primarily, and I know that there's, you know, different, different sides of the story, but just because he says it's true, doesn't make it true. Absolutely. And you have the ability to examine the facts and go from there and counter propose and, you know, do what's necessary for you. Sometimes Absolutely. I imagine you find the same thing. It can be a matter of empowering someone to have the confidence that they can participate, they don't have to just say yes. Absolutely. You're listening to the Divorce Dialogues podcast, and I'm Catherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues has been educating people about divorce and relationship issues for over 10 years. Subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to check out our previous episodes on the podcast website, divorcedialogues.com. I'm talking today with Adrian Grace about financial planning, holistic financial planning. And Adrian, if people want to learn more about you or your books or your online course, how can they do that? Well, my website is transitioningfinances.com and they can go there and find out about my background. As it happens, I've often worked with mediators. I'm the former president of our Western New York Collaborative Law Group. So I'm definitely a proponent of alternative measures to help people come to more dignified agreements. But they can reach me also if they, anyone has a question. I can be reached at adrian at adriangrace.com. And that's A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E and adriangrace.com for more information. And my books, Going From We to Me, A Financial Guide to Divorce, and I'm Divorced, Now What? A Guide to the Rest of Your Life, are both available on Amazon and Kindle for easy access. So Adrian, sometimes people worry that their spouse is hiding money and they're not going to be able to find all of the assets. What can you do to help people find those hidden assets? I was a banker for 20 years, and I've been an investment professional for about that long. 
So I know how to trace money. I'm not a forensic accountant, but I have great skill in finding hidden assets when we can locate the trail. Sometimes it's a matter of trying to determine, is it worth it on a cost-benefit analysis? Is it worth it to pursue this particular trail and see what we might find? I have found hundreds of thousands of dollars for people over the course of time by analyzing records clearly, analyzing bank statements, credit cards. So it's possible to find assets. You can't always find everything. Yeah. And sometimes you have to decide, is it worth it to pursue it to the nth degree? But we have had great success in finding things that are hidden. Um, And you need to make it fair. What are some of the assets that have that or ways in which people do hide money or try to? Oh my. <laughs> Remember that 50, that song, Sarman and Gar- Garfunkel, 50 Ways? Yes. <laughs> There's more than 50 ways. But one of the, one of the simplest ways to hide money is to cash a check. It's very challenging to track cash. Once money turns into cash, it's very hard to track where it may go from there. So that's one of the ways. If someone owns a business, there are phantom employees that can be listed that really don't work for anybody, but can show expenses for salaries. Redecorating an office is one way. And then you can simply resell whatever may have been purchased or not have purchased at all. There are other ways, as infinitely creative as people can be, giving money to other family members giving money to paramours, opening up accounts joint with someone else with their social security number first. There's a long list. You know, we don't hear much about it these days, but what about cryptocurrencies? Very challenging to track. Very challenging to track. However, everything has to get paid for in some way. Right. So we can tell if money goes into crypto. We can't really follow what happens afterwards. But money has to come out of a bank account. You can't send cash to a crypto platform. So you can see money going into Coinbase or one of the others. Where it goes from there, nobody can really track it. But we can track that it went. Yeah. And sometimes that's that's at least a start. Yeah. Great. So we have just a minute or two left, Adrian Gray. So what what was it that led you to, to write going from we to me? As I said, when we started, I had a hard divorce. I was not well-educated in the matters of divorce. And in my investment management practice, I had three women in a row who came in. Each of them had a money issue around divorce that they didn't understand. When the third one left, I said, okay, God, I got the message. I can make the path easier for those people who come after me. And I've taken it on as my mission to do that. So writing going from we to me, it's really a total guide to help people get oriented and get prepared to go through the divorce process so that by the time they see you, they are already well prepared to deal with it. I don't want to see anybody be taken advantage of, be blindsided when the knowledge is there to have. And I kind of take it as my goal to share that knowledge. Adrian Grace, thank you so much, both for that, that, that uh, service and, and the book that you've done to help people come into the divorce process as prepared as possible and with their feet on the ground, 
my words, but I think that's what you mean. And for being my guest on Divorce Dialogues, it's really been my pleasure. Thank you so much. It has been my pleasure as well, Catherine.